the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, Aubrey and I are going to reflect upon the Simone Biles news this week. And then we're joined by Dr. Winfred Neely, Vice President and Dean of Moody Theological Seminary. You're listening to The Common Good. everybody, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. Maybe the biggest news, at least yes. recently this week, um, <clears throat> if not the whole two weeks that you and I were gone, uh, was Simone Biles. So the Olympics is going on right, right now. Uh, and always fun to watch, you know. Mm-hmm. You would never watch swimming, right? You would never watch this. But when it's Olympics, you're like, I'm in. Get me into this. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. I don't want to turn on the TV and watch some rando swim. Yeah. But like when it's the Olympics, it's, it's exciting. For for three years and like 50 weeks, I'm not watching the 100-meter backstroke. <laughs> but you put the Olympics to yeah, it. Yeah, it changes in. everything. And so undoubtedly, the biggest star going into the Olympics, the biggest name going into the Olympics is Simone Biles. Absolutely. Uh, she was expected to win, to anchor the gymnastics team, hopeful gold. She was expected to win the all-around goal. As an aside, pretty cool that an American won the all-around goal anyway. Awesome. Uh, But uh, Simone Biles, as I'm sure you're all aware of by now, she pulled out in the middle of the team competition. Yeah. Uh, And to say that the internet and other things went crazy would be a bit of an understatement. Because the reason that she pulled out was over her mental health uh, she said, I'm not injured. So let, let's listen to a little bit of what Simone Biles had to say, and then let's you and I talk about it. Put mental health first, because if you don't, then you're not going to enjoy your sport and you're not going to succeed as much as you want to. So it's okay sometimes to even sit out the big competitions to focus on yourself, because it shows how strong of a competitor and person that you really are, rather than just battle through it. All right. So she said, I'm going to put my mental health mm-hmm. first. She said, I'm not injured. Uh, there's this whole thing that has now come out about the like kind of the yips in gymnastics called the twisties, which I never knew existed. Reminds me of the Dundies on uh, <laughs> The Office, but uh, but it's this whole like your mind block. Whereas she's up, and that's how that's how gymnasts get paralyzed. It's and so killed. scary. Uh, but Aubrey, this not everybody reacted to this well. Not everyone was kind and compassionate. <laughs> not certainly that's true. When you first heard this, so you're sitting in class, you know, you get this or whatever. When you first heard. That Simone Biles was pulling out of the Olympics. And yes. so a lot of people, the people who had a hard time are like, listen, you took, this is what you do. Right. You're on a team. Right. You took all this endorsement money. Yeah. And now you're saying that you're cracking. Like, that was the cynical side. There was mm-hmm. a much more um, compassionate side that people had. But yeah. when you first heard it, what were kind of your thoughts? So I was in the middle of class. And because of that, you're sort of in a bubble of not knowing what's happening in the world. So some of the other ladies came in and they were like, Simone Biles, what's your for the Olympics? And I was like, well, that's weird. That was honestly (laughs) my, it was not a kind of compassion. I was like, that's odd because she's such a 
hopeful, like, you know, she was going to take everything. Yeah. Um, And so, but then as news came out and you began to realize she made a decision for her own mental health, I I think it's so commendable because you know that had to be hard. So hard. You know that this is her passion, her love, her drive, her whole life has been working towards these moments. And so to make a decision like that was not easy for her. That's right. It was very brave and courageous. And actually, I think sheds a beautiful light on how so many of us do need to make a choice to put our mental health first so that, and this is what she, I think, ultimately says, she can keep going and mm-hmm. keep doing what she loves doing, but it was the right decision for her to pull back. Yeah, and there's a, there's something in here about identity. Did you see uh, yesterday mm. the tweet that Simone yes. Biles had that has like over a million likes, yeah. well over a million, all this stuff? Let me just read it okay. because... Uh, you just wrote a book about, or it's coming out, mm-hmm. kind of about identity and yeah. names and, and where did. do we find our I identity. Did. Listen to what Simone Biles, this is, our, maybe not it, maybe not even arguably, the most decorated gymnast of all time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. she wrote this, <clears throat> the outpouring love and support I've received has made me realize I'm more than my accomplishments and gymnastics, which I never truly believed before i see you shaking your head there's so much to unpack there but when you read that's just kind of out of the heart of simone biles Uh, what kind of things jump out there the fact that she never truly believed that before until this moment that that's the part where i think i was shaking my head because it's devastating to me yeah that she has gone this long in her growth and maturity to not understand that she's more than what she does yeah but at the end of the day, I think we all of our hearts kind of break for that because we all feel that temptation. Granted, she is on a different platform, a different scale than the rest of us. But certainly it is so such a challenge not to put your worth or your value in the things you're doing and accomplishing and feeling like that's how you measure right. up to a sense of worth. And so there is something also deeply beautiful about it that I'm grateful the community came around her and supported her. So she does know she's loved. And I think it's a call for all of us that we are not our achievements and our accomplishments. We are valuable simply because we're loved and created in That's the right. image of God. That's right. And so uh, I think that that her tweet highlights such an important thing for all of us. Not, you know, 99.9999 are none are not Olympic athletes. Right. right? But right. we do go about life going I am just kind of the accumulation of my accomplishments. I am what I can produce. It's what I do both for God and for other people. And so, again, I can resonate when she says I'm more than my accomplishments. And I never truly believed that before for her from a very young age. This is, you know, she's an abuse victim from that awful Larry Uh, Nassar saga. Uh, and, And now but she's also as a decorated gymnast. You heard what Michael Phelps had to say. He's somebody who can understand this as in the swimming world. Just going, the, they call it the weight of gold, this kind of weight mm, that these people wow. hold on themselves. And they see, I, 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 want, I thought that same part that you did, Simone Biles saying, I never truly believed this yeah, before. I do wonder how many of us kind of live that same way. Like, yeah. I'm maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not enough apart from what I can accomplish. And right. like I said, you have a book coming out kind of about some mm-hmm. of this stuff. What would you say to the person who's in their car right now going, that is kind of my struggle. That is kind of the way I live my life. It is all about what I can produce, yeah. the money I can make, whatever, this yeah. image I can put forward. That's essentially what Simone Biles is saying. But, like, let's take that down to just, you know, everyday life for some of us. What would you say to those people? Besides, yeah. get your book. Yeah, buy my book, <laughs> Known, coming out September 7th, available for pre-order on Amazon.com. Right now. Um, no, I, I would say that this is the human struggle. I think it's particularly the American Western struggle 
um, that we we do. I mean, it's very real. We feel like we are what we do. Mm-hmm. And um, the reality is God cares deeply about what we do. But what the Lord wants is for our doing to flow from our being more than that, our doing to flow from his being. He mm-hmm. has spoken over you, listener, belovedness. You are his child. You are his deeply loved one. That's right. You are the one he is working with. You are the one he has given purpose. He has a plan for you. It is a good plan. And you can rest in that. I mean, I think mm. that's the struggle. Like we don't have to strive. We have to, sometimes I feel like I'm spending my life like clawing my way to some like proverbial right. table of approval. We don't even have to be at a table. The Lord prepares a table for us. Yes, yes. And, a, and we, yeah, we rest in him. That's really well put. Get the book, as you said. But I also think it highlights uh, another thing, the idea of mental health. This yeah. isn't something that has been talked about in general in the past and also in the church and just... I think the pandemic has highlighted this, but when you've got somebody like Simone Biles pulling out of the Olympics over mental health, I do think that confuses a lot of people and causes a conversation that's really healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's really healthy. Some of the conversation out there is not, not productive so and healthy, but not we'll so avoid kind. those. Yep. Uh, and uh, anyway, it is important. Well, coming up next, we're talking to Dr. Winfred Neely, the vice president and dean of Moody Theological Seminary about the ministry impact of students and graduates from Moody. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. And this month, we've been trying to share encouragement on mental health and wellness for pastors and church leaders through AM 1160's Lift. 2021 virtual conference. It's really good. I'd encourage people to check it out. You can see the video messages at 1160hope.com slash lift. Uh, And we're so thankful for our sponsors. One of our sponsors of the Lyft Conference is Moody Theological Seminary. Uh, And with that in mind, Dr. Winfred Neely, who is the vice president and dean of Moody Theological Seminary, is joining us on the phone right now. Dr. Neely, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, um, and I'm very glad to be on the air with you this afternoon. Oh, it's absolutely our pleasure. So glad that you're joining us. And before we jump into a couple different things we want to talk to you about, why don't you introduce yourself so our audience can get to know you a little bit better? Yeah, as as noted, you know, I'm Winfred Neely, and I am I have the privilege to serve as Vice President and Dean of Moody Theological Seminary. And I have been a faculty member here at uh, at Moody Bible Institute for 20 years. Wow. So I'm starting my 21st year, um, actually now. Mm. And um, my wife and I will be married 45 years. Oh, wow. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, on August 14th. And we have four adult children and 10 grandchildren. The Lord has been very good great. to my wife and and me, and uh, so I and I also serve as senior pastor of Judson Baptist Church, mm. uh, right at the intersection of Oak Park and Austin on the west side of Chicago. That's that great. is awesome. And, uh, Other than that, yeah. you're full of free time. Doctor, <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. we, we are That's so right. glad to have you to talk a little bit about your work and also what's happening at Moody Theological Seminary. Can you share any stories, um, maybe about the ministry impact of students and graduates from Moody? Well, we have graduates from Moody Theological Seminary serving all across the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, two of our alumni uh, 
serve in Scotland. And, of course, I had the privilege to visit Scotland during the last several years. Oh, nice. Uh, just, you know, recognizing the need of the gospel in that part of the world, a culture that was very, very churched, and mm. at one time with the great history, I was in, in, the real, in real need of the gospel today, and I have friends who are graduates of Woody Theological Seminary serving Christ right in the heart of Edinburgh, uh, making a difference for the cause of Christ right there in, in, in that part of the world. So mm. it's, it's just really, really great. Uh, to see uh, how they're putting their training to use and advance yeah. in the cause of Christ in that part of the world. Yeah, and that's just one example. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a ton of examples. What would you say are some of the reasons that students come and choose to go to Moody? Well, you know, there, there's a, a motto: Moody is the name that you can trust. Mm. And and in other words, we are committed to Christ. We are committed to the Word of God. Uh, we are committed, deeply committed to the historic Christian faith, and we are, you know, we are anchored to the rock. And but we're geared to the times. Mm. And I and I yeah, and I think due to our historic commitment uh, to biblical faith, that we have not moved and we have not wavered. Yet at the same time, we want to be. Uh, we want to be geared to what's happening today. So while there is um, uh, emphasis on academics at the seminary, we are also very strong in equipping students with practical ministry skills and ministry competencies, That's so great. that when they leave the seminary, they are they, you know they have hands-on uh, skills that they can use. And also, Moody Theological Seminary is affordable. It's actually probably one of the more affordable seminaries um, in the country. You know, our cost is $475 a credit hour. Wow. It's not a, yeah, and it's not uncommon to be paid 600 to $750, in some instances $900 a credit hour right. uh, in some institutions of higher learning, some seminaries like that. And Amazing. So we're very, very affordable, but just because we're affordable does not diminish in the slightest way our academic rigor, mm. and our ministry preparation of students who come to these halls. Mm. That's incredible. Dr. Neely, can you share about your own experience in raising up the next generation of pastors and ministry leaders? Well, you know, it's been one of, one of the highlights of my life has been to invest in the next generation of Christian leadership. And I have been doing that for 20 years at... Uh, Moody uh, Bible Institute and Moody Theological Seminary, and did it for ten years in West Africa before I, before my wife and I returned to the United States in nineteen uh, ninety five. But um, the, 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 what is amazing to me is that the Lord is still saving people, mm. still uh, regenerating men and women who trust Jesus as their personal. Lord and Savior, mm. and these men and women and boys and girls need to be equipped and trained for ministry. Yeah. So I have walked aside countless men and women during the last 30-plus years of my life, uh, imparting to them the lessons that I have learned from God himself based on the Word, mm. and um you know, crying with men, these folk, you know, praying with these folk, 
walking through them uh, through the ups and downs of life, helping them learn how to expound scripture, how to become better readers of the Word of God, mm. helping them learn how to communicate scripture well in ways that are that are anchored to the text, but yet geared to the lived realities of people in the 21st century. Okay. Uh, it's just, so it's just been a blessing for me to have been a part of that. And I have uh, students that now are friends and I have lifelong friendships with them that will that endure for forever. And I'm deeply thankful for the privilege I've been to be involved wow. in such a ministry. Amen. We're thrilled to be joined by Dr. Neely from Moody Theological Seminary. He's going to stay with us, and we're going to talk more about a book that he wrote a few years ago and some other things. But Dr. Neely, before we kind of move past uh, talking about Moody, I would just ask you this question as a pastor, mm-hmm. as a professor. Are you hopeful about kind of the future of the church and the next generation as you see those that are being trained for ministry? I am, and I tell you the reason why. Because the Lord Jesus is on the throne. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. In fact, the, the man who led me to Jesus, Henry T. Plummer, who's with the Lord now, had only a third grade education, by the way. No. Oh, led wow. me to Jesus. Yeah, led me to Jesus, but he knew God and he knew his word. Mm. He used to tell me, Neely, God has never left himself without a witness. Amen. Mm. That's so, so good. So, yeah. Yep. So, so I'm hopeful, and and I'm I'm pleased to say that God has raised up a new generation of of Christian um, uh, men and women who love Him and who love mm-hmm. His Word and who are godly, spirit empowered yeah. servants of Christ. I know them personally, yeah. mm-hmm. so I'm very very hopeful. That's very great. Hopeful. That's great. That's awesome. To learn more about Moody, go to moody.edu. Uh, we can't encourage you enough if you're looking for theological education to look at Moody Theological Seminary. I want to talk a little bit about your book, How to Overcome Worry, because that's something I know I struggle with. I'm sure a ton of our listeners struggle with. Uh, before we jump into kind of the, the meat of the book, why did you write that book in the first place? Why did you choose to write about overcoming worry? Yeah, that's a very good question. And this, this, this book grew out of my shepherding ministry to God's people. Um, as, as a pastor... Uh, and as a human being myself, redeemed redeemed by the Lord, but being human, I it, it became aware. I became aware of the fact that people struggle with anxiety, mm. uh, worry, uh, that you know life can 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 throw us off kilter, yeah. and we're waking up at night. Mm. You, you know, I mean, I think of the, the myriad examples. Susie's little boy. Susie's 13-year-old son didn't come home last night. He doesn't know where he is, and she's just out of her wits with worry. Mm. Or someone is sick, or someone has to have surgery, or Mm -hmm. someone else, a parent has just died, or, uh, you know, Bill lost his job, and Harry's a police officer, mother has just been deployed. I mean, all of these things raise the anxiety levels of people. So uh, I'm a, I believe in biblical exposition, so I'm an expositor of Scripture, and um, I expounded, a, a, did a preacher sermon, Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, and mm. the title of the sermon itself was How to Overcome Worry. Mm. And at the end of the sermon, I gave an altar call 
Now keep in mind, I and and what so what's happened as a, uh, the Lord gave me a gift, gave me an itinerant ministry, so I go all over places uh, preaching. It slowed down a bit during the pandemic, yeah. but I would preach this text in a number of places and give an altar call, and there was always a rush to the front. Wow! Wow! Always just to come and bring your concerns to God. Mm to release all of your anxieties to him. And I mean, mm. people came forward in droves. Wow. And um, I, I preached this text at uh, Judson Baptist Church in my early days at Judson, and one of the elders, Dave Sluter, came to me and said, Winfred, um, you, should put, you should put that in book form because it'll help a lot of people. Right, mm. right. And I have been thinking about it putting it in, putting it right and putting it in book form, but that was the kind of final push. Mm. And so it was one of, one of the encouragement from one of the elders of Delta Baptist Church that led me to go ahead and write the book. That's great. Oh, looks amazing. Again, the title is How to Overcome Worry, Experiencing the Peace of God in Every Situation. Dr. Neely, how would, for, uh, for our listeners, how would you explain the difference between worry and concern? Let me explain anxiety how it's how it's being used in scripture uh and i am not talking about clinical anxiety mm-hmm. um uh but when, I, when i'm talking about when the bible says be anxious for nothing the idea is to act as if that i have to deal with life's problems and difficulties in my own strength mm. i'm out here on my own. Mm. It is a form of practical atheism mm. because wow. we are not taking Jesus into consideration. Wow. That that's anxiety that's worry in the biblical sense of the idea. I'm out here struggling and toiling and I'm in this ship on my own. Mm. I have to steer this ship through this storm of life in my own strength, with my own power, mm. with my own wisdom, and no one in the universe is going to help me. Wow. Yeah. And that's worry in the biblical sense of the idea. Yeah. Concern is recognizing uh, that there is a problem, but it's rooted in faith. Mm. It, it's, taking, it's taking Christ into consideration. You know, it's interesting with some folks have the notion that when we say be anxious for nothing, that that's a call to indifference. Well, no, uh, this is not what that is. Hmm. This is a call to be concerned. Hmm. You know, for example, if a person is in financial difficulty, they should be concerned about that. If a child is sick, they should be concerned yes, about that. Right. Gee whiz, I just got a call from one of my dear friends who posted them on Facebook about all of the, the murder in Lawndale. Mm, right here on the north side of Chicago just this past weekend. A wow. guy walked in there in the barber shop <gasps> no. and shot a young man while he was in the chair and the barber no. just this past weekend. No. Yeah, listen, I'm concerned yes, about that. absolutely. Mm, yeah. I'm concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And, and concern is recognizing the problems and the issues but it's also recognizing that God will give us the wisdom that we need. Yeah, he is with us. Amen. We are in his hand. We are never alone, mm-hmm. even in the lowest and darkest moments in life. 
the Lord Jesus is still there, and his resources are, of grace are available Amen. to us to help us navigate any and all circumstances in life. Amen. And that's a big, that sounds easy, but that's a big difference. Right. That's right, that's that right. Is. And Dr. Neely, uh, it's been a thrill to have you on. With the one or two minutes that we have left, uh, the $64,000 question is, somebody out there right now feels overcome by worry. They're just really struggling. What would you say to them? What's the first step? What should they do first to begin this process of overcoming worry? I think they need to recognize that they're worried. Let's go ahead. need to, rec- to, to recognize that and recognize, too, that God has told me to stop. And then, that, then I, would, I would journal. I would make an inventory of everything that's going on in your life. Write or make a list. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do, and then take that list to God because the scripture says things for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request, let your request be made known to God. Now that seems right. so strange because mm-hmm. God is omniscient. He knows all things. So why am I telling him what he already knows? <laughs> because he, he wants us to trust him mm-hmm. and take him at his word. The text also presupposes that we have thought the issues through. Mm-hmm. We have specific specific problems that require unique and specific interventions from God. Mm-hmm. We take this to him in prayer. Now, he may or may not deliver or grant our request, mm-hmm. but he does promise to give us peace. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, uh, Dr. Winfred Neely is a vice president and dean of Moody Theological Seminary. We're thrilled that Moody Theological Seminary is one of the sponsors of the 2021 Virtual Lift Conference. You can go to 1160hope.com slash lift and check out the many great video messages there. We'd encourage you to do that. Dr. Neely is also the author of a book we've been talking about, How to Overcome Worry, Experiencing the Peace of God in Every Situation. Dr. Neely, we didn't even get to talk to you about the 10 years you spent as a missionary in West Africa. We'll have to have you back on again. It's been our pleasure. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Yeah, I'd love to do it, guys. Take care. Brian Aubrey, God bless you. You, you too. too. as well. Again, you can learn more about Moody Theological Seminary at moody.edu. That's moody.edu. You're listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. If you are at all a fan of The Common Good and you stay with us, you know that on Fridays, uh, we do top five lists. We love the top five lists. We love top five lists. And I've come to find that people who listen love them. My kids will ask me about our top five lists every now and then. That's awesome. They find them ours kind of funny. Your kids tend not to. Yeah, my kids are not entertained by (laughs) me at all. I'm like, guys, guys, isn't this funny? Is this good? They're like, mom. So we're going to take a little uh, pastoral bent on this one. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. just finished some. Bible school. I did. I did. Uh, You and I are both Wheaton College grads. And so we are going to do our top five Bible characters. This is very spiritual and pastoral of us. Our top five Bible characters. Who can't we choose, though? I know. (laughs) This is tricky. (laughs) This is a little bit tricky. It's sort of like a red letter edition. Like, who are we highlighting and why? Yes, we cannot choose Jesus because everybody would choose Jesus. We took the Father God off, the Holy Spirit off. (laughs) They're going to cut that (laughs) off. Sorry, sorry, that is a terrible... We always want the Trinity as our top five. Just not in our list. You and I, we kind of thought of it this way. If you were going to have coffee with somebody at yes. Starbucks, or if you were, we were going to interview, interview somebody someone. here on the show, yes. uh, and they were a Bible character, 
who are some people yes. that we would choose? Yes. So before we jump in, and we're going to need to do a, a, a honorable mention one on this. I, my list has like nine right now. Oh, so. I, honorable mention. That makes me feel a lot better. Yep, okay. Yep. All right. Although okay. maybe people be like, why didn't you choose that person? So uh, before we jump into our list, we love the top five jingle. Let's hear that. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. I missed that. And here we go. I missed it too. Our Friday top five. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? I think I want you to go first, Pastor Brian. Number five. Okay. Number five. And this is is a big one. So uh, I chose... Mary, the mother of Jesus. Look at you. I chose Mary, the mother of Jesus, because I think she would be a fascinating discussion to go, all right, no, just walk me through Mm -hmm. when the angel visited you. Seriously. And it seems like during Jesus's life, you guys had problems with them. Like, what was going on? Then how did you come back? Like, I think there would be uh, a fascinating story, even if it's just... Seriously, what was it like to be Jesus's mom? Walk me through that. That's a big question I have. There you go. Number five for me is Mary, the mother of Jesus. I love that. Yep, that's great. I have another Mary on my list later. You can probably guess which one. All right. My number five is the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Sam. Yeah, Sammy. (laughs) I would love to hear about her encounter with Jesus and how she became the first evangelist, maybe the greatest evangelist in the New Testament. That's right. I would love to hear her story. All right. Moving on to number four. Uh, I chose Jonah. Jonah, that's Jonah, a good one. What we, happened? For obvious reasons. Yes. Jonah, talk to me here. What, what was it really whale? happened there? Was it a fish? Right. How long were you in there? Yeah. What was that like? Were you really on a boat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Ex- I would love, yeah. love, just for the one story, yes. I would want to talk to Jonah. Oh, that's a, yeah, I, Jonah's a good one. There's going to be a lot of us going, oh, I thought oh, of that I one. I wish I would have had that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, number four, I'm going to go Esther. Okay. Because I... I have mixed feelings about Esther. Like it's kind of it's strange to me her whole story, like mm. being one of many wives and entering this beauty pageant. But I also love that she used like the cultural tool of her day to save her people, and she rose to the place where she had influence over the king. Like it's interesting That's to good. me. So That's Esther, good. yep. All right, number three for me, and it's hard to keep this guy not to be higher. Okay. Uh, he is the one character who never died. I'd go Elijah. Elijah. He just like, went Elijah, off into the sky. T- tell me about that chariot of fire. But also he's got that battle on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal oh, where he's yeah. talking to prophets of Baal. Oh, maybe Baal is going to the bathroom. Maybe oh, he's Elijah's napping. good. I should have like, calls my... it down. Yeah. But he also had depressive issues. Yeah. And he also made the rain stop. Yeah. Like, Elijah. I think Elijah would be fat. I, I strikes me as mm. Elijah is kind of like no nonsense. Yeah. No, he's he doesn't mess pretty ar- He doesn't mess around. Okay. That's... Man, that's good. You got you got good ones, Brian. Is my okay. list better than yours? Yes. Maybe. Acknowledge. Maybe a little bit. Okay. I am. I'm changing mine on the fly here. Oh, am I? Aren't I? I don't know. Yes, I am. Okay. I'm going to go with Isaiah. Oh, that's a good one. Because, I mean, the guy sees a vision of yes. the Lord that's in his one. throne room and says, here I am, Lord. Send me. Like, I, you know, you got to know it. You got to be around that guy. You have a sense of the spirit of God. That, that rubs off on you. That is a yeah. good one. Yeah. The whole Isaiah chapter six portion of it going. Yeah. Talk to me. Yeah. Talk to I me. I'd love to hear that. Okay. Uh, number two. I'd like to spend a little bit of time with King David. 
Oh, wow. Okay. I yeah. want to be like, hey, uh, now this might be a little bit. I'm preaching through David right now oh, okay. a little bit. Love it. Uh, and this week I'm preaching on David and Goliath. I want to know the David and Goliath yeah. story. Tell, tell me, the, me about that. Tell me the real deal. Hey, we're going to, in segment two, we're going to unpack the whole Bathsheba thing. Let's talk about that, David. <laughs> but also becoming the king and yes. uh, the father of Solomon, like all of that, I would want to spend some time with David. Okay, I I don't think I'm a little scared of David, but I I want to hear all about it from you. So I'm I affirm that I'm terrified of him. Okay, um, I would what, think he would like David with the Psalms and laments. I do and love all the that Psalms stuff. and lament, but it seems like he had a complicated relationship with the women in his life, and so I don't know that I don't know that <laughs> so I necessarily true. want to be around him. But okay. I want to hear what it's like to be a man after God's own heart. Okay, what number are we on, two. Brian? Two. We are on number two. Okay, I would like to spend some time. With Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke. Yes, I love Luke Acts. They're two of my favorite uh, books, scrolls yep. Yep. in the, I guess, one long scroll in the New Testament. And what I love about Dr. Luke is Luke told the story of a man and then a woman and a man and a woman and a man and a woman. And we see from Luke that the Spirit of God was working just as powerfully in women as he was in men. And I think that's provocative. I want to know, like, Luke, tell me about that. Why did you do that? Dr. Luke, tell yeah. me more. All right, I have five five people on my honorable mention <laughs> okay. list. So this could have been a top 10 list, but okay. let me just quickly run through them. Yes. Uh, without explanation. Okay, fair. Uh, Stephen. Oh, yes. Daniel. Lion's Den, yeah, come yeah. on. Awesome. Solomon. Oh. Mr. Wisdom. Get some wisdom Speaking there. of complicated uh, women relationships. <laughs> yep. Uh, Noah. Yeah, Noah. Tell awesome. me about the ark. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Samson. Because of my last name. Because of the hair. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Go for it. Give me your oh, honorable mention. Okay. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, yep. obviously. Deborah, Zacchaeus. And wee Paul. little man. Yep. Wee little man. Paul. Okay. And the bleeding woman. Oh, okay. I think there's a chance we might have the same number one. No, we don't. We've not. Oh, so you, my oh, number one, might. my number one did not even make your honorable mention list. Okay. Okay. We might actually. My number one. A uh, person that I would like to interview and sit down with is the Apostle Peter. Oh, we don't have the same one, but yes, Peter would be fantastic. Peter has so many ups and downs. Uh, he does. I mean, He's he so relatable. On water, he denied Jesus. Uh, he uh, he cut off a guy's ear. Yeah. Jesus says, "I'm going to build my church yeah. upon you," and then Jesus says, "Get behind me, Satan." Yeah. Like, and then Pentecost. Like, hey, what about Pentecost, dude? And so, then he has a mic drop moment after totally, Pentecost. Totally. Yeah. So I would like to spend some yeah. time with Mr. Roller Coaster himself, Peter. How yeah. About you? Peter one? is very related. I'm going Mary Magdalene, number uh, one. Yes, I yes. I want to know the woman who was brought out of whatever her hardship was. There's a lot of controversy about that, but who anointed Jesus, spent so much time side by side with Jesus, clearly was touched and healed by Jesus in a powerful way. And especially, honestly, after seeing The Chosen, no I'm like, okay, it's Mary Magdalene. No all the way. doubt. Yep. No doubt. So that's our top five Bible characters that we would love to interview, have a cup of coffee with, mm-hmm. spend some time we with. We just want to soak up there like you were around Jesus, Jesus and the yes. new church and the old Holy Spirit, what God was doing. Like, tell us things. Did you say the old Holy Spirit? I know. Spirit as I said old? it, I thought, no, I didn't say the old Holy Spirit, but I 
I didn't mean to say that, but I, I did say it. Well, that's our list. We'll go check it out at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Common Good Talk. We'd love to know what you think. Coming up next, an old tweet from that somebody was quoting Henry Nowen and his five lies of identity. Fascinating things when Nowen wrote it, but especially now. We're going to unpack that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Coming up this hour, we're talking about five lies of identity, and Brian and I are unpacking the latest episode of the Mars Hill podcast. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday afternoon. We're so glad that you have joined us today. So this goes around social media every once in a while, and it came up again recently, these five lies of identity that Henry Nouwen, or Henri Nouwen, I think that's probably how you Henri. Henri, who is a um, <laughs> priest, a theologian. Henry Nouwen's known for like leaving his life of ministry to go work at, is it La Arche is it, or La... It is. Anyway, a community... Um, for people with disabilities, essentially, he left the the limelight to go really serve the least of these. And um, every once in a while, these five lies of identity that he named get recycled on Twitter. And Brian, you saw them again recently. They're That's so right. powerful. They Here's are. what Henry Nowen says. These are the five lies. I am what I have. I am what I do. We talked about that earlier in the show with mm-hmm. the Simone Biles mm-hmm. story. I am what other people say or think of me. I am nothing more than my worst moment. Mm. I am nothing less than my best moment. That's mm. really powerful, Brian. What do you think about those? What stands out to you? They're so important. And and like you said, we touched on it already, but I, I struggle. Like So number two is the one we touched on, that I am what I do. Uh, I've talked about my old co-host here, Ian Simpkins. He used to regularly say we're human beings, not mm, human doings, but yeah. a lot of us live as human doings. Like we are what we can produce. Uh, but man, number three is something that I think is a struggle for a lot of us, myself included. I am what other people say or think about me. And what's so difficult about that, when we remove our identity apart from not only what I see about myself, yeah, but what, you know, most importantly, what God says about me, mm-hmm. but it instead becomes what other people think of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a slippery slope. That yeah. is a roller coaster because yeah. one minute people, you, we're pastors, we know what this is like. Uh, one minute, hey, great sermon, pastor. And then the next person, hey, here's what I don't like about our church. And you're just like, <laughs> so uh, I, just, I had one of those just the other day where it was like, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. And they yeah. didn't say it that explicitly, but you're like, that's really deflating. Maybe oh, I am the worst hurts. pastor in the world. Yep. Or, hey, awesome sermon. You know, and uh-huh. you're like, I am, I am Billy Graham. You know? and, <laughs> and so when you ride that roller coaster of what other people say or think about me, the natural result of that is I'm going to do all I can uh, to make other people think well of me. Mm, and so I might, I might bend my morals. I might uh, wow. just, you know, I might. Uh, say what I think other people want to hear. Yeah. I might back away from hard subjects. Yeah. I might put up the you know kind of um, a facade so they don't actually see what's really going on in my soul. Mm-hmm. If really my identity is is rooted in what other people say about me, yeah. it's a really dangerous way to live your so life, true, and then, and it just kind of goes from there. What's one that stands out for you in this? 
You know, I feel like at different seasons of my life, um, different ones stand out. But I was really struck by the fifth one, I am nothing less than my best moment. Part of that, if any of our listeners are familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a four, but mm-hmm. I have a very strong three wing, which is an achiever wing. And so I often feel this needs like achieve, 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 yeah. achieve so that I, I don't know, so that I have whoever's approval it is I'm after. Um and I, I was struck actually by this this week because I was in grad school for the past couple of weeks. My last class, my master's program. So I'm official. I have a couple of papers due, and then I'm a master, You're a right? Master. Um, <laughs> I and like how you decided that. <laughs> I am now master Aubrey Sampson. Um, but as I'm thinking about pursuing my doctoral work, which is something I've wanted to do for a while, I am very aware that part of that is a fleshly desire mm. to like get to that next level of achievement again so that I have whoever's approval I'm after or so that I'm finally worthy or I yeah. finally can use my voice. I find, you know, and, and so I'm constantly praying like, okay, Lord, <laughs> what's really a calling from you and your Holy Spirit's leading in my life. And what is just my flesh trying to earn my way to your throne right. ultimately, which is sin and scary. And I don't want to be led by that. So I am nothing less than my best moment. I think sometimes we always feel like we're competing with the best versions of ourselves. And the reality is the gospel is that we don't have to. We are in Christ righteous, period. We don't have to keep crawling our way again to achievement. Which goes to the other side of things. Number four, I'm nothing more than my worst Mm. moment. Uh, How many of us just are crippled by regret and shame over things that we've done at our worst, whether it be last week or 20 years ago? Yeah. And and we don't we we feel like there's this inability to hear the truth of Scripture, um, confess your sins, uh, and and you are you are cleansed from all unrighteousness. Or you know these these pictures of in Scripture that say no, you're not defined by your worst moment. Uh, so many of us, I do think, we hold on to that. Like I I am nothing. Uh, I I can't have a high self esteem, or I can't. God can't see me in a good way because I did X, right? Or because I did Y, and and you see throughout Scripture that that's just not the case. All right, it, Aubrey, let me ask you this: If okay. these are five lies of our mm. identity, let's talk about identity truth and Ooh, and where good. how do we have a proper view of our identity? Oh, Brian, that's really good. What are the what are the truths? I, I mean, th- I feel like these are things we all know, but we have to repeat to ourselves right. all the time. I I am chosen, mm-hmm. right? I have been made in the image of God. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am set apart for righteousness. I am already seated in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Um, I am approved of. That's a thing I'm after. I am already approved of in Jesus Christ by God. Um, what are you? What are some of the things that are true for our I, listeners. Yeah, I think, as you said, I think there's that title that in Christ I'm a child of God. Mm. And trying to sit in that, uh, I feel like the longer I'm a pastor, the more I speak about that from the front. Because I, I do believe that when when we grasp that we are not just tolerated by God, mm. we are not just even just accepted. I, I know to say just accepted is a big deal. But to say that we are loved unconditionally and accepted unconditionally the way that I see my own children. Yeah, that's good. I think that takes it to a whole nother level, mm-hmm. this identity. Like I and that 
<clears throat> there's nothing that right now I know there's stories, but there's nothing that I can do that my kids can do right now in which they are going to lose their identity as my children. That's right. Yeah. And and that I think it's very intentional when God says when mm. we are called God's children, yeah. I think that transforms everything. But like you said, and maybe you can speak to this, the hard part's living in that oh, and just going, OK, yes. I'm a child of God. Therefore, yes. this. So what's you're the author of identity books. <laughs> uh, what what how do we live that out? You know, you write the books that you need to read yourself. <laughs> That's the secret, right? The thing you're struggling with, you write about. I I was um, able to interview for the common good Sharon Hottie Miller last week, and mm. she's a, an author. She's a theologian, but she's a doctor. I mean, sorry, she's an author who writes about kind of the same thing, achievement, right? Like, or she writes a book called Nice, which is really how she thought she had to be nice to everyone in order to win God's favor. And ultimately what she said, and I think this is true for all of us with our struggles in this area, she thought she had to even earn, like, even if she was getting rid of her niceness, she was trying to earn getting rid of her Mm, niceness. And she was like, ultimately, what I had to do was get before the Lord and worship him and remember who he is. Yes. And I think ultimately we think we have to like beat ourselves into this like holy submission. But at the end of the day, it's being on our knees, being intimate with the Father, worshiping Mm -hmm. him. And the Holy Spirit will do the work Mm -hmm. for reminding us of how tender and good our Heavenly Father is and reminding us that we're his children. And from that outflow of our time with God, we can walk in our true identity. Amen. Amen. Well, next up. We're switching topics a little bit. We're going dark. We're going deep. We're oh unpacking God. the latest episode of the Mars Hill podcast, the rise and fall of Mars Hill uh, that Brian and I have been paying a lot of attention to. And listeners, we uh, have a lot to say about it. So stick around for that. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday afternoon. My name is Aubrey Sampson, joined by my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we're so glad that you're with us again today. One of the things that we've been talking about on The Common Good for the past several weeks, Mm -hmm. honestly, is the brand new Christianity Today podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. If you haven't listened to the podcast yet, you definitely should. It's actually number two right now, I think, in podcasts. It is wildly popular. Yeah, that's what I heard anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, what it's doing is really following the rise and fall of Pastor Mark Driscoll, who in his heyday was, uh, you know, one of the largest, most influential pastors around in evangelical Christianity, but came to a sudden demise. His church closed down. Within like a month of any issues. It was crazy. Crazy. And so... um, Ultimately, what Brian and I have often said and what we're asking here on The Common Good is how did this happen and how does this continue to happen Mm -hmm. and what can we learn? And so because of that, we've been listening really expectantly. We've been um, using this podcast as kind of a magnifying glass on our own roles as pastors, but on the American church at large and just really uh, wanting to have an open hand. God, what do you want to teach us through this? So this last episode, I mean, I don't even know if I could recommend it. I could recommend the podcast as a whole. This one, you and I were texting mm-hmm. uh, while we were off, and I just said, did you listen to this yet? And you're like, no. And I'm just like, it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think it probably, this goes on, especially for women, yeah. this one's going to be very difficult, but it's worth listening it to. It is worth listening to. I think the whole podcast, I've recommended this podcast to so many people mm-hmm. right now. And we had Mike Cosper on a few weeks ago. I'd mm-hmm. encourage you to go listen to that. But um, I think you set it up really well. It is a... 
it's in some ways an autopsy of Mars Hill Church, which mm-hmm. is was as like you said, as wildly successful of a church as there was, and then it immediately went yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, and Mark Driscoll being the person, like being not just the figurehead, he was everything about that church. But then, um, what is it? It's not just an autopsy of them, but what does it say about the church as a whole that yes. he was platformed and continues to be platformed yes. to this day? Right. Uh, he continues to headline conferences. Yeah, he, he continues does. to lead a church now in Arizona. That is a couple thousand people. Mm-hmm. He continues to write. So what does that tell us uh, about somebody? And so I will. I think you are, you're right. This one's hard to recommend because it's really painful and hard and difficult to listen to. But for that reason, I do think it's important. It's worth listening to. In fact, we have a little clip. This is not one of the most painful clips, but we have <laughs> a clip of Mike Cosper interviewing Rachel Den Hollander, who herself was a survivor of sexual abuse from Larry Nasser. She was one of the first women who came forward in that horrible story. Um, and so we wanted to play you a little bit of that. Rachel is an attorney and an advocate for abuse survivors who also works as a consultant to help organizations respond to crises in a trauma informed way. She became widely known back in 2016 when she was the first woman to come forward to pursue criminal charges against Larry Nasser, the USA Gymnastics team doctor. Eventually, more than 300 women would follow in her footsteps. Part of her work has included highlighting the ways evangelical churches, a community she's a part of, have failed to protect women, respond well to abuse, and created a toxic culture around sexuality. She sees the sexual culture at Mars Hill as pornographic. A pornographic mindset is one that looks at women first and foremost as sexual objects that exist for men's sexual gratification. You know, that's, that's at the heart of pornography. But when we as evangelicals teach sexuality in a way that, um, that defines women by these same characteristics as being created to fulfill men's sexual desires uh, and teaches, quote-unquote, modesty and purity in a way that a woman is seen either first and foremost as a means to a sexual end or a potential danger, an object of temptation, what we have really done is distill the woman down to a sexual object. Okay, so what ultimately she she talks about is how, and this is this is really the heart of the episode, is that Mark Driscoll continued, continued, continued to to not just sexualize women, but over-sexualize yes. women. I mean, he, he ultimately made women um, to feel like they needed to be porn stars for their husband. That was mm-hmm. actual language that he used. And what she talks about is when we have done that in the church, that that means the only thing we've done for women is distilled them down to a sexual object. We've we've objectified them, we've commodified them, we've abused them, we've taken away their imago um, when we do that. And so this was a hard, like Brian said, like I said, this was a hard episode to listen to. I think, Brian, for me as a woman, it was hard to listen to because I was really thinking through how Mark Driscoll's teaching on this so permeated churches I have been with, pastors I was under, male co-workers of my own in church ministry over the years. And um, it does strike me as really sad, to be honest, Mm. and really heartbreaking, really dangerous that women have been um, really like targeted as either um, we are like sexual vixens out to get you and take mm-hmm. your leadership down. Like we're Potiphar's wife mm-hmm. or um, so we're sexual temptations or sexual like um, villains essentially, or we're only sexual objects. Yeah. And um, 
And, and the heartbreaking part is that has been raised up as gospel truth. And that started with Driscoll. Uh, or at least it was, uh, um, he kind of poured gasoline on the fire. Uh, like yeah, he, there you go. Yeah. And this is, you said what made it hard for you. Here's what made this episode really difficult for me. I told you off air, mm-hmm. I like a lot of people back in 2010, 2011, 2012, I went through quite the Driscoll. I would listen to Driscoll three times, you know, uh, I would listen to him multiple times you a month. You said you'd mow your lawn and just be yeah, listening listen to, to Driscoll yeah. or listen to Chandler yeah. or these other guys. Yeah. And he is, you need to know, Mark Driscoll is about as compelling a speaker as there is. He's a like, phenomenal a reason, speaker. He's a right. communicator yes. at the top of the list. And that's yes. one reason he has had the platform that he does. But in this episode, so I haven't listened to Driscoll in a long time, but in this episode, as you hear things... That feels so wrong right now. Mm-hmm. I can remember listening to them back then going, oh, okay, is that what I'm supposed to think? Or, mm-hmm. oh, okay, good point about the Song of Solomon or good mm-hmm. point about. And, and you realize that, that these things just kind of slowly make their way into your consciousness. Yeah. And now to be removed from it and then to go listen to this again and to hear him say things that not just I heard him refer to before, but actually listen to some of these sermons back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And I think to myself, why did we not have this? Uh, reaction then. Right. And it, I think it has a lot to do with he was wildly successful at yep. the time. He hadn't fallen yet. Right. He hadn't. Right. But you hear the ways that the result, and there's also things that we didn't know that were going on in his church, but you hear about the ways that they counseled women there, mm-hmm. that they were telling women, your job is to stay home and have babies. Yep. Your job is to make sure your husband is happy. Yep. Your job. And that this is a guy who wrote marriage books. Yeah. This is a guy who headlined marriage conferences. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't speak in the past tense. Still, Still headlines does. marriage conferences. Yeah. It does call us as evangelicals as a whole to go, how? And how does this still continue going on? How did he get endorsements for books? Mm-hmm. How did he get this? And if you're wondering, what did he say? A lot of it's just, I, I can't even... I get embarrassed to talk you about don't it. Even like, repeat I would it. encourage you to go listen yeah. to the podcast. Yeah. There was an objectifying of women and a and a stance on marriage. Like there's some things you're like, okay, they were preaching just a commitment to marriage. Sure. And there are this is the hard part because there are good things mm-hmm. in there to pull out. Mm-hmm. But the 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 gist of like male domination and and the role of the woman, and they talk about they interview some women who are like, there was so much good stuff going on. But then I left there and realized how beat down and tired yeah, I was. You're just yeah, like, oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And so for me, never having been to the church, never having met Mark Jusk or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I, it causes me to go, what caused me, into, what did I miss in 2010, mm-hmm. 11 to have his books on my shelf yeah, and to have yeah. him uh, as a regular podcast that I would yeah, listen to and to yeah. hold him up as someone to be admired yeah. that now you look back, you're going, what the heck were we thinking? What, like, what was going thinking? on? I think that for me becomes the, you know, we, we it's easy to point fingers, but mm-hmm. you want to use this as a mirror. I think mm-hmm. that becomes the mirror for me. I think the part, hard part too, and Mike Cosper does allude to this, is that because Driscoll fit into a certain theology that was really accepted, a certain mm-hmm. like specifically a systematic theology, and then also a complementarian stance, because he fit in that framework that at the time felt very sort of orthodox and safe and biblical and like right on the mark, then I think people overlooked um a lot of the outlandish and evil things yeah. he was saying yeah. and um because he was kind of a rock star and mm-hmm. it came in through comedy and like 
he said these outrageous things in a way that made people laugh, like almost the way you sort of laugh at like television shows, you know, you shouldn't like he appealed to the I think the the basest and who men are, too. And I think that's the other damaging piece. I mean, the man, the man damaged women. Period. Right. Period. 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 I'm not saying personally. I'm saying from the platform. I, you know, I'm sure he treats his wife. Well, I don't know how he treats his wife. That's not up to me. God knows. But he allowed men to like appeal to their most dark, yes. sinful, basis self as if that was godly. And I, he's going to have to stand before the throne mm-hmm. of God for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I. It's just it. It is heartbreaking to look at. But I, again, as we wrap up here, Brian, I know, like you said. We want to examine ourselves. Yes. Use this to, as a mirror, yeah. not, not not as like a stone to throw and go, wow, yes. look how good I am. You right. want to use this as a mirror. Lord, give us all wisdom in how we treat each other, especially how we treat women in our churches, and let's do a better job. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we will uh, continue to talk about the podcast as more episodes come out. We would encourage you to take a listen. Next up, we are going to uh, challenge our pastoral muscles, our <laughs> biblical muscles, Brian and I are going to take a Bible quiz that you can all take. It's actually available on our website, 1160hope.com. This is going to be very entertaining. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. I am Aubrey Sampson, joined by my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we're so happy to have you on this Friday afternoon. All right, Brian. Right now, 1160hope.com has a Bible quiz, a summer Bible quiz. Yes. If anyone can take, listener, you can go to 1160hope.com slash quiz to take it. I took it yesterday, and I, am, I feel a little bit of shame because I only got a 90% on it. And as someone who recently is a master of a master. Bible, I should have gotten 100. We're going to hear a lot about this. Yeah, I'm going to constantly call myself a master. So I'm going to give it to you. I think you probably are a better Don't pastor me than up. me. Don't set me up that way. I'm not. I am a master. Wait, I did get my master's from Wheaton. You got your master's Wheaton, from Wheaton, too. it's been a while. Yeah. Well, let's see who's. Let's see who has a little more Bible knowledge. Okay. Are right. you up for it? Here's I, the question. I don't have a choice. I'm ready. Okay. All right. It starts easy. Don't, don't do this to me. It's a multiple choice as well. Don't, you ready? Don't start. None of this starts easy. No cheating okay. by looking at Google. All right. Okay. What is the name of the third book of the Bible? A, Deuteronomy. B, Leviticus. C, Exodus. Do I, is there a D? No. I'm just kidding. It's Leviticus. Well done, sir. Thank you. All right. One of Abraham's sons was Isaac. What was the name of his other son? A, Thomas. B, Ishmael. C, Lucas. That's B. All right. In the Old Testament, Uh-oh. whose sons <laughs> were named Shem, Ham, and Japheth? Was it Noah? Was it Moses? Was it Adam? That was uh, that was Noah. Drunk Noah. Drunk in the, Noah. In the farm. <laughs> in we, the barn. When we have him around here for the interview, <laughs> that story is going to need to come up. All right. In Exodus. Oh, man. This very Old Testament journey yep. in here, isn't it? Who burnt that fatted calf and ground it into powder? Was it Aaron? Was it God? Was it Moses? Aaron. It was Aaron. Good. All right. Whose daughter God? danced for Herod and mm. at her mother's urging requested the head of John the Baptist? Who am I going to remember the Is name? A, Herodias. B, Sarah. C, Sidian. I think this might be the one I got wrong. I think I guessed wrong on this. I think it's A. Okay, that's what I said. So we'll see. All right. In the book of Matthew. So you, don't, you can't tell me if I'm right or wrong on that one? I can't tell you till the very end. Okay. I got to watch The Chosen. 
Now this one, okay, I this one I find fault with the quiz. You'll see why. Okay, I'm, I'm, I look forward. You'll to You'll see it. why. In the book of Matthew, what did Jesus say is the greatest commandment? Okay, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. Love your neighbors yourself, or thou shalt have no other gods beside me. I know what I want to say. Okay. But you have a problem with it. I'm going to go with. I have a problem with, with the way it's worded. I'm going to go with A. Okay. That's what I went with, but I actually think A and B should be together because he says that's the what Jesus. Second said. one is like it. Yes. yes okay. I gotcha. According to the book of Matthew, what was Judas given for betraying Jesus? Thirty silver coins, immunity from prosecution, or three bags of silver? I just was thinking of like Survivor. Immunity. <laughs> Immunity. Uh, he was given 30 silver coins. Okay, that's also what I said, but I just accidentally pushed the wrong button for you, Brian. So we're just going to move on from that. Okay. So I get a right answer on that one? Yeah, you'll, we'll give okay. you a right what answer. What did you that. push? I, I accidentally pushed immunity because yeah, I, cause I thought you were saying that was <laughs> no, your answer. No, no, okay, no. okay. Who appeared with Jesus during the Transfiguration? Noah and Moses, Abraham mm. and Elijah, or Elijah and Moses? Elijah and Moses. Hey, that's what I said. See? Okay. Before Jesus turned water into wine, who informed him that the wedding party had run out of wine? Was it Peter? Was it his mother, Mary? Was it the disciples? It was his mother, Mary. Yes. See, we've given all the same answers so far. And you got something wrong? Yes. All right. What is the last book of the Bible? Revelation, Psalms, or John? Psalm. No, I'm just kidding. Revelation. <laughs> okay. Revelation. Let's see what you got. I'm done. You got an 80. This quiz. Well, don't forget, you got one of them. You missed one of them. I missed one. So let's assume you got a 90 then as well as I did. what did I get wrong? I don't know. Wait, we can't go back and see? You can't go back and see. It doesn't give you the answers. Hold on. I know. So all that to say, folks, if you want to beat me and Brian, I got a 90. We're assuming Brian also got a 90 because we gave the exact same answers. You figured it out. What is it? Salome's mother urged her to ask for the hell. Hold on. Salome, Salome is known in the Christian Gospels for her role in the execution of John the Baptist. Okay. When Herod Antipas offered to fulfill a request after she danced for him, Herodias, Salome's mother. No, we got that we right. Got it's that Herodias. Right. We said Herodias. Well, then I want to know what we got wrong. I don't know what I don't know what we got wrong, but you can find out for yourself at 1160hope.com slash quiz. We're going to find out and we're going to get back to you. Brian, what is the importance of learning and studying the Bible? Not just to get 100 on a quiz, well, but why? I didn't get 100 on the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Something, the quiz is rigged. I think there might have been a wrong one in there. It won't show you, huh? Okay, no, we're going to go you. find out and find out how we did here. Uh, you know what? It's beyond knowledge, right? We yes. believe that... The Bible is God's word. It is living and active. It is the way that God God speaks in other ways, but one way that we know definitively that God speaks uh, is that is through his word is through the Bible. And like, you know, a lot of us are like, I wish God would just show me this. (laughs) I wish God would just say this. And you want to be like, he already has. It doesn't mean again, I'm not one of those people who says, so therefore God only speaks through the Bible. He never he yeah. speaks in other ways, but one way we know definitively that he speaks mm-hmm. is his Bible, is his word. Yep. And so therefore, if we don't know his word, we're missing God's voice to his people. We're missing God's word to his people. And so sometimes we can lose sight of that because we have so many Bibles around our houses. You know, our yeah. churches have stacks yeah. of them. Uh, but this is the very breathed word of God. And, and we want to hold on to that and therefore uh, know it, uh, study it, mm. meditate upon it, and in that way hear from God. 
I'm going to um, flex a little bit, and we're going to talk about this more when we come back. But I got to spend some time with Beth Moore last week. Just, you know, just someone you may have heard of. Beth I got Moore. to go to the I was beach. just hanging out with Beth Moore. <laughs> um, I went but, to the beach. <laughs> it's close, close. <laughs> but one of the things that was so impressive about her is the woman is so biblically literate. She knows mm. the Old Testament. She knows the New Testament. She speaks Bible. Not yes. just biblically literate. Biblically, like, um, uh, fluent, like, mm. and she knows scripture. And, but it's not just her knowing, it is like you said, Brian, it has clearly impacted her actual heart and her life and her soul. And she is in love with the word of God. And as an, ex- and I would say that's an extension of her love for Jesus. Like, she loves Jesus so much. And because of that, she's in his word. Yeah. And I think that's the value, like you said, of being in the word that it connects us to the heart of the Father. It increases our intimacy with God. And when we don't know our true north, like when we don't know mm. if, like you said, if God is speaking, we have his word, we have his truth right there as a gift. So, again, you can go to 1160hope.com slash quiz. Take our summer Bible quiz. See if you're a better Bible Something person than Brian. It, <laughs> See if you know if it's rigged. Because maybe we're on to something here. Because our program director, Marcus Brown, he taunted us that he got 100. He got 100. But maybe he didn't. Yeah, we need, we're need. we going to find out and we're going to get back to you maybe about Maybe there's this, a faulty listeners. question in there that he did. We're going to find this out because we're both masters. Yeah, we're both masters. masters. So we're clearly right. Wheaton is just shaking their head <laughs> collectively as an institution <laughs> right now. They should have us write the Bible quiz yep, next. Dr. Riken, Ed Stetzer, all of them are just going, <laughs> oh, they're shaking their heads. <laughs> Well, uh, stick around. We're going to talk a little bit more about Beth Moore and the things that I was able to learn from her in grad school last week. We're going to hear more about Brian's beach vacation Mm -hmm. and what God did in his life during that time. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Everybody, welcome back to the Common Good on this Friday afternoon. It's actually Friday evening now, and I hope yes. you're headed home to some incredible weekend plans. I know I'm looking forward to the weekend. I'm sure you are too, Brian. Yes. But I want to hear quickly how was your time away? Yeah, it is weird that you and I were both gone for like almost two weeks, mm-hmm. and you, we joked that I was away and you were in school. So very different. <laughs> very different. Very different things. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, I went with my younger two children, so Jackson and Emily. Uh, Jackson had kind of like a special last baseball tournament in Florida. Cool. It was kind of like the build up, and it was kind of like yeah. it was less about winning and more about like oh the team gets to go. And so uh, we were able to stay in like at like a resort, you know, in Orlando, That's one of those so deals. Fun. And uh, and so it was just me and my younger two, my wife and my older daughter, stayed home, and. It was just a ton of fun, A, to hang out with the baseball families and do that. But then we went to the beach, which is my love language. I love the beach. So <laughs> we went to the beach. Nice. We mini golfed. I told my kids, fun. I told my younger two, I said, I, I, this would hurt your heart a little bit. I said, uh, I will do anything you guys want to do that doesn't involve going to a park. And they were like, like uh, Disney. That does or hurt Universe. my heart a lot. Here's the deal. I love the I know parks. you do. That's why I'm shocked to hear this. I don't want to pay for them. Yeah, a fair. So fair. I told yes. them if the three of us were to go to Disney for a day, it costs $500. Oh, so painful. And so you're like, I'm not doing that. Let's go to the beach or let's go. Mm-hmm. And so we just had a ton of fun. It's good to get away. It's good to be in the warmth and sit by a pool. Uh, you know, we had some stressful stuff at home that made it a little difficult to like really unplug. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, and then not to have my older daughter and my wife there was just different. But yeah. to be honest with you, it was just a blast. That's and awesome. just to get away. 
uh, spend that kind of quality time. And I, there's not, you know, you get to these like resorts where you have more like a condo instead of a, a hotel room uh-huh. and you sit out on the deck or like the, the terrace the or whatever patio. the patio. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, you just read and you're like, this is the, why don't I do this all <laughs> Why the time? Why don't I do this for a living? <laughs> uh, so it was good. It was good to get away. Uh, baseball was fun. And just to, you know, just to be in a new place. And so Amazing. it was good to be home. Again, uh, you've done this before. When you go away without all of your family, there is that pull of like, I want to go home and right, be with you them. Miss so them. There was that. And just getting on an airplane. You're like, oh, look at us. You know, that kind of stuff. So it was awesome. Uh, wonderful I'm so time glad you away. got to get away. It was good. It was good. Now, you didn't go away on vacation. You did uh, You did much more. You're, you're much. We joked. I said, I'm rested. You're smarter. Exactly. That's here. accurate. <laughs> that and is so, accurate. Uh, what is it that you did? Yes, I did two weeks. My last Two weeks, I say, with a lot of bittersweet emotions of my master's program at Wheaton College Graduate School, my last two classes. So I am one of my classes, which is what I want to talk about, actually, Brian, was called The Life and Leadership of the Bible Teacher. And I had the incredible privilege of learning from Beth Moore herself, Mama Beth. Never heard of her. Never heard of her. (laughs) Um, I had the privilege of learning from Dr. Esau McCauley, from Christine Kane, from Philip Riken, who's the president of Wheaton College. So all of those people have been on the show except for Beth Moore. We have to rectify that. We have to work on that. Beth, if you're listening, we (laughs) would like to have you on the the show. (laughs) But um, as I said before, one of the things that was incredible about Beth Moore was just her Bible veracity. I mean, she just loves the Bible and she knows the Bible like nobody's business. And actually she, I mean, she kept saying, she kept calling herself a mongrel because she was the only one there without a PhD. And at the end of the day, she schooled all of the professors. You know what I mean? They were amazing, but she just, you see why Beth Moore is who Beth Moore is. But here's what I wanted to tell you, some of the things that she talked about. And um, just get your your reactions, Mm -hmm. Brian, because I think this is actually not just a word for me and my fellow grad school classmates, but for all of us. Yeah. She really told the story about King Uzziah. In um, the Chronicles, mm. Second Chronicles, and the Chronicles, the, you Narnia. know, the Chronicles, <laughs> <laughs> Second Chronicles, and what she talked about is how the Scripture is really clear that at first um, he had a lot of success, a lot of fame, a lot of power, and he was a righteous king. His uh, fame spread throughout the land. She really said there were hints in his life of being really connected to King David, like he just had this incredible, incredible legacy. But what Second Chronicles twenty six fifteen says is that Uzziah was marvelous, marvelously helped by God until he became strong in his own eyes. Mm. And ultimately what she talks about is how um, he moved from being dependent on God to being mighty in his own strength. And mm. as a result was just his downfall, which ultimately we've talked about the Mars Hill podcast before is a word for all of us, yeah. right? Yeah. That if we are not reliant on the Lord, but we begin to begin to be reliant on our own strength, that that is only that is only the beginning of the end. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, mm-hmm. and it's this idea that uh, there there is we talk about it theoretically, the relying on God. Yeah, what does that mean? What does yeah. reliance look like? But her point being, it sounds like that. Uh, once he started relying on his own power as the king, as that, that all of a sudden there became this distance between yeah. him and God. That's that's a very interesting. Yeah, she she talked about how in his one of the main like 
egregious sins that he did was he decided to take it upon himself to go into the temple with um, the holy fire. And that was the priest's job. And what she was saying was as a king, he was ultimately not supposed to do that because a king and a priest were not supposed to have the same role until Jesus was the king and the priest. Mm. And so he was making himself like a God. It was really, really powerful. Let me give you her quick points and then we'll, we'll talk about them. She says, we've been invited into a life marvelously helped by God. Again, that's that God reliance. She says the whole story of the Bible is a story about God who is in search of a people who are reliant on him. Mm. Um, And then she talks about how our starting place as a people of faith is never needlessness. We are needy because ultimately we're needy Mm. for God. Then she says, too, this is really powerful. Woe to those who mistake marvelous help for for their marvelous selves. Mm. So again, uh, she she talked about becoming entitled and how Uzziah became proud in his strength and then he became entitled and how entitlement is the antithesis of grace. Mm. Then she talked about how this is really powerful, I think, for our, our world right now. It's hard to see the true king when we keep crowning human heads. Mm. That was really, really convicting. And then the last thing she said, this is really powerful. Inherent in the sending, we are sent people, she says, is the going. And inherent is the going, is the leaving. And what she really called people to was um, part of being dependent on God is that he's going to send you somewhere. And that's going to mean releasing even maybe even something you've built, maybe mm. even something you've worked towards. Because ultimately, the goal is to be delivered safely to God. The goal is to honor God in the way he's calling you, not to like cling to your own yeah. power and yeah. your own the things you've created and it was really, really That's powerful. Good. So what do you think just hearing those four points? I think I wish I heard Beth more speak. Yeah, I think that would have yeah. been good. Uh, they're all great, but the uh, it's hard to see the true king when we keep crowning human heads. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about, you know, uh, John the Baptist saying, I must become less so he becomes more, you know, Such and that word, yeah. idea that, uh, you know, we are prideful people. And yeah. a lot of times, whether it be pastors or whoever else, it's it's about us. We want the acclaim. We want the glory. And ultimately, the call is for us to point people uh, to our Heavenly Father. And so I think that's a, that's a really good call. You sat under her teaching. Which was the one that rung in your head as you left? Um, I would say uh, <laughs> that one really st- stuck out to me. It's hard to see the true king when we keep crowning human heads. And I think the other thing was, woe to those who mistake marvelous help for the for their marvelous selves. Mm. And one of the examples which she gave was how many a pastor, you see them rise to fame and soon it becomes all about their own fame and their own celebrity and their own name instead of the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And really what we were called to all week in grad school for two weeks in grad school, honestly, was your role as a Bible teacher, your role as a pastor, your role as a Christian mm-hmm. is not about making a name for yourself. Like right. we have to like, we have to like renounce that in Jesus name because ultimately it's not about your name. It's about the name that's of right. Jesus. That's and right. so anyway, that's something I that's thought would end. encourage you and encourage yeah. all of you today. Thanks for joining us. We hope you have a fabulous weekend. Be sure to join us again on Monday from four to 6 PM for the common good for Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson. You've been listening to the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.